Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Friday, November 27th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. I hope everyone's having a great Thanksgiving holiday. Today, we're talking Chiefs with the folks who know them the best, beat writers Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell and columnists Vahe Gregorian and Sam Mellinger. This started as a Sports Beat Live on Friday morning. We talk about the defense. Is there cause for alarm after surrendering 31 points in each of the last two games? Also, it's a rivalry that won't last long, but it's been fun to watch Patrick Mahomes battle Tom Brady over the last couple of years. They'll meet for the fourth time on Sunday when the Chiefs visit the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Plus, we give our predictions for the game. So let's get started talking Chiefs. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Sports Beat Live, our weekly gathering to, to talk Chiefs with the folks who cover the team uh, like nobody else. And we're going to meet them in a minute, but the show is also about you all, and we want to hear your comments and questions about the Chiefs. We'll get to as many of them as we can. And listen, as we as we introduce our esteemed panelists here, uh, I, I want them to sound off on the best thing that they consumed yesterday on Thanksgiving Day. So... Um, uh, that could be food or drink. And I, I want to know what Sam McDowell had on Thanksgiving Day. What was the best thing you had yesterday, Sam? We should have saved this for the candy corn segment because this is a very candy corn-like answer. But I really don't like turkey. So I had chicken yesterday, and it was great. <laughs> <laughs> right off the bat. Okay. Uh, how was the chicken prepared? Um. You know, I'll have to call Colonel Sanders and ask ask for that <laughs> recipe. But <laughs> oh my god! All right, so yeah, yeah. So we're off to a flying start. All right, bye. <laughs> well, Blair, first I want to say that we savored the milk of human kindness. Um, <laughs> um, but really, uh, it was the sweet potatoes. Um, it, it was a dish. Uh, uh, that featured um, strong topping of, uh, gosh, I can't remember if it was pecans or, uh, or walnuts mm-hmm. on it, but um, I, everything else was really good, including the Costco apple pie. Um, but I kept going back to the sweet potato well more than I should have. Maybe feeling a little bit today. Uh, oh, yeah, for days to come, no <laughs> doubt. Okay, that was Vahe Gregorian. Um, we've got... Uh, Herbie Teope and Sam Melliger uh, joining us, but here's Herbie. Herbie Teope is the, the the primary beat writer for the Chiefs. And Herbie, what was the what was the best food or drink you had on Thanksgiving Day? Hey, I had leftover Pizza Hut baby, and then for dessert, cinnamon crunch with almond milk. Top that. Cinnamon. Well, at least you're in the season with the cinnamon. But uh, okay, I. Um, I don't, I don't know what to say about that, except I'm really can I, sorry. Can I chime in with just something there that, that I think will be near and dear to our audience that we all learned about the cinnamon crunch together as one in the house we shared covering the Super Bowl. Um, but Herbie, I think this is your opportunity to thank Blair for adding the almond milk to the mix. That's right. I'm forever thankful to Blair Kirkhoff for introducing almond milk to our esteemed group here. That's the that's the only good thing that came from that trip. The rest has required years of therapy. <laughs> Sam Mellinger joins us, and uh, Sam, I don't know if you've heard that 
uh, we, before we get into Chiefs talk, we are uh, reviewing the best thing that we consumed on Thanksgiving Day, uh, food or beverage. And so far, from three answers, we have one traditional Thanksgiving uh, fare, vahi uh, sweet potatoes. Also uh, on the board, chicken and cinnamon toast crunch cereal. Oh my God. How about you, <laughs> Uh, I know who said cynical crunch, but uh, I am. Uh, I met my mother-in-law, and she makes real stuff, nothing, carrots and celery. And all, uh, um, so that might be the uh, And then, uh, you know, fridge. And yeah, I did. Well, you know, kind of. You're going to have to go to another room and type in in the uh, private chat what you just said because we didn't get to hear that, <laughs> and I'll repeat it. So yeah, you are coming. You're uh, in and out, and we are. Listen, where we um, uh, we we look like we're going to have some technical difficulties. We had some anyway in the run up to this, so bear with us. We'll try to we'll try to get it worked out. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm actually hearing uh, what, uh, what what Sam had to say. I'll I'll go with this. Uh, we had a dessert yesterday that had a little bit of a bourbon caramel uh, drizzle on it, which was fantastic. And then, uh, and then I had bourbon. So, uh, <laughs> so the drizzle and the non-drizzle part of the bourbon was was terrific. Um, okay, while we look to reconnect with Sam Mellinger and get his, um, uh, oh, hang on, before we, before we do. Beth had sweet potato pie with bourbon in it. So well done, Beth, our producer. Um, okay, guys, uh, Chiefs and Bucks on uh, on Sunday, 3.30 kick. Uh, I think the first thing I'll say about this game is, uh, you know, it seems like the Bucks schedule changed uh, in terms of television appearances for, um, uh, for Tampa Bay when Tom Brady signed. And this one was not selected for a Sunday night or Monday night or Thursday night uh, game. I, I, I'm a little surprised by that. Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady. Um, so uh, instead, we got like Bucks Rams on on Monday night. And um, uh, should this have been a prime time game? Vahe, what do you think? Well, it it has all the elements of a prime time game, and uh, I. You know, good for us that it's not, right? I mean, anything that's slightly earlier in the day enhances our opportunities to to be more creative and cover it cover it better. So we'll take that. Uh, I will say, if my if Patrick is looking for some late grudge issues here coming into the uh, uh, final forty eight hours to get himself motivated, I saw some graphic on one of the games I was watching yesterday. It showed a reference to the game, but it only had Tom Brady's uh, image there. So I, I, I'm sure Patrick's been alerted to that. Um, but 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 you know more seriously, and, and you alluded to this in, in uh, your uh, preview stuff today that posted today. I think Blair just uh, it's the fourth time Patrick and Tom Brady will meet. Uh, Brady's won two of the three, but Patrick's played really well, and um, in a lot of ways he kind of gave notice to the world in the in that lost in the AFC championship game that they were going to Chiefs are going to have to be reckoned with for a long time. Um, so I think that'll be the matchup within the matchup and plenty of ways to look at Brady. Hard to know if uh, he can still generate it downfield, but um, 
he his presence back there still makes a big difference. So I, I'm I'm excited about the matchup. Yeah, I, I agree. Which it's Tom Brady, and um, uh, it's funny after after Brady moved on to the Bucks in the off season, we've uh, the the question was asked: uh, Are the, were the Patriots all about Belichick or all about Brady? And uh, so far, you know, Brady has the better record, but. Uh, the Patriots haven't been the same without them together uh, this season. We're, we're seeing that. So um, we'll get into more Brady uh, Mahomes here in a minute. But first, I wanted to ask Herbie about, uh, as we as we often do when we start the show, injury updates. And uh, there there wasn't there's not much information on that front, maybe except to say we might get to see some guys back this this week. At least one one guy in particular, Herbie. Is that right? Yeah, the big one is obviously Sammy Watkins. Two straight days with a full practice, and I think that's the first time he's done that since week five. He's missed five games with a hamstring injury, uh, and then last week a calf injury popped up on the injury report on Thursday after he put in a full practice the day before, leading to him being designated as, as a surprise out. Uh, but it looks like, barring a setback, the Chiefs will finally get Watkins in the lineup. And that's huge because they placed Byron Pringle on injured reserve earlier in the week. If Watkins was not available, they would have been down to three healthy options with Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman, and Demarcus Robinson. So Watkins is looking like he will play. So that, that's big for the Chiefs offense. Other than that, I mean, they had 11 players listed on the injury report on Thursday. All of them practiced fully, which is a good sign. And Friday is usually a light practice anyway, just a, a quick walkthrough. So if Watkins is out there, and I'll know that here shortly when I head out there, but it's looking like he will return. And it seems like we'll, we'll probably see more snaps for McCole Hardman this week. He got in the game. I, I didn't see the snap counts, but it had to be just a few handful for McCole Hardman uh, last week. So um, uh, he had a big reception on the you know in the, on the final drive, but wasn't that a matter of just not being able to work out uh, with with the team for a couple of weeks? Yeah, I think it absolutely had everything to do with it because hopefully most people remember McCullough Harbin landed on the reserve COVID list uh, during the bye week. So he wasn't activated until Saturday. And while you're on that list, you can't be around the team. So he did not put in any practices. But he was forced into action in the second half after Pringle suffered the, the ankle injury. And he ended up playing 17 snaps on the game. Okay, let me throw a couple more names at you, Herbie, and just give us an update on their status. Um, how about Martinez Rankin, the offensive lineman? Hey, he practiced fully. He's not showing up on the injury report. He was activated off of uh, the reserve COVID-19 list earlier in the week as well. So the fact that he's not on the injury report means that he will be available as well. Okay, and how about Stefan Wisniewski? Uh, back, back with the Chiefs for the stretch run, just as he was last year. And I think that's huge. Okay, Remember last year they added him roughly around this time frame as well, late in the season, second half, and he was eventually inserted into the, the starting lineup for the stretch run, last, and then he started all three playoff games. Currently he's on the practice squad, and the plan is to eventually bring him up, and that's just huge. Well, we asked Andy Reid about that uh, on Wednesday, and he basically said, hey, it's, it's, you know, you're, you're bringing in a guy that knows the system, he's a veteran, he's a plug-and-play option, and – if, if they're not satisfied with Nick Allegretti at left guard or Andrew Riley at, at right guard, you've got a plug-and-play option in Wisniewski. Very good. Okay. Hey, we got Sam Mellinger back. Sam. What's up, guys? Is this better? Much better. You sound great. Yeah. 
All right, we got to go back. We got to we got to <laughs> reverse course here. What was the best thing you ate on uh, on Thanksgiving Day? So, yeah, I'm at my mother in law's, and and she makes like the legit cook it in the turkey bread and carrots and celery and whatever else magic you put into a turkey to make stuffing, like the real stuff. And so that's the best thing I'll eat all year. Um, and then I go to the fridge, you guys. Not and then this was before the stuffing, but I go to the fridge. You know, get yourself a beer. And I open up the fridge, and <laughs> it was amazing. I just hear this, uh, yeah, I didn't know what you'd want, so I just got a bunch of Take 7. I said, that'll do. <laughs> that'll do. Oh, man, the defaulting to the Tank 7. That is, that's, that's a Thanksgiving miracle. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, it was, it was a good night. <laughs> All right, very good. All right. Hey, um, let's let's talk a little bit more about Chiefs and Bucks. But bef uh, before we get into the uh, looking ahead, let's look back to the Vegas game on on Sunday night. That um, so the question I think that all Chiefs fans want to know is what we think about uh, this defense. Um, and and the question would be: Do the Chiefs have a Raiders problem specific? Uh, They've, Chiefs have given up 30-plus points three times this season, now twice to the Raiders, but also two weeks in a row because the Panthers went for 31 and the Raiders went for 31 uh, in back-to-back -back weeks heading into this Tampa Bay game. So I'm I, I, that's certainly a topic that dominated uh, Sports Talk Radio this week, and I know we've, we've talked um, and, and written about it. We don't get to talk to defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo until a little bit later today to get his thoughts on it, so let's let's try to break it down and and uh, and, and try to determine whether this is a a problem specific to the Raiders or if there are um, bigger issues here for the Chiefs defense. Melly, let's uh, let's start with you. Well, first, um, let's all agree that the Raiders are a good team, and so there, there's a lot of the other 30 teams in the NFL that are going to have a Raider specific problem, right? Um, that being said. Um, I, I think that they do present some problems um, that, that line up with some ways to beat the Chiefs, and namely those the, the weapons, especially speed um, on the outside and the ability to protect Derek Carr. If you look through um, the, the pro football focus numbers on, on week-by-week -week pressures, um, the Chiefs are not producing ostensibly like less pressure than most teams. They're, they're right in line with what the Raiders typically, typically give up. The difference is that it's less than what the chiefs typically produce. And that chiefs defense is built from the roster construction to the, the, the scheme, the, the play calls, everything Spagnuolo does. It's built for pressure. That's where they spent the money and the draft picks. Um, the back end, other than Tyron Matthew is kind of, you know, we'll, we'll just have some guys. Um, and so that that's the biggest problem. And and so that part of it is, you know, specific to the Raiders because they um, they protect Carr well enough and they have the weapons on the outside. Um, and that, that is something that Chiefs are going to have to deal with. Blair, just just to build off that point, I mean, the, so Chris Jones actually had five hurries on pro football focus on Sunday, which is more than he's had in any game this season. Frank Clark had four, which is as many as he's had in any game this season. The difference in the Chiefs, and I think it's, I think this is what's more than a Raiders issue when you compare this year to last year is the other guys are, were contributors last year. You know, last year they got, what was it, six sacks from Emmanuel Ogba before he went down. They got significant contribution from Alex Okafor. The other guys aren't winning one-on-one -on -one this year, and that's where if 
you know, I'm a Chiefs fan. I would worry a little bit that it's it's more than just the Raiders. And the Raiders have a good offensive line, um, but it's not ranked the best in the league. You know, I think they're around ninth or tenth on, on some of the metrics. So it, it, it obviously it showed up against the Raiders. And when you look at some of the advanced metrics, they were worse against the Raiders in both games than they have been in any other two games since Steve Spagnuolo's Chiefs career. But I, I think that there are some things that probably cause – you know, a, a little bit a sign for alarm beyond just the Raiders. And that's just that they're not getting pressures from the guys other than Frank Clark and Chris Jones right now. And those are the guys getting the most attention, of course. And the most money, right? I mean, these are right. $20 million a year guys. And, um, and it, they're, they're paid to, they're paid to get to the quarterback and it just, it hasn't happened or at least hasn't happened against the Raiders and didn't happen against the Panthers and Teddy Bridgewater either. So, it, it hasn't been, but there's a reason for that. And I mean, Chris Jones is getting double and sometimes even tr he gets the double team and then he's got to also beat the back if he beats the double team. And Chris Jones is getting, or, and Frank Clark's getting chipped quite a bit. Now, I still think Frank Clark doesn't win one-on-one -on -one as much as we saw him win last year. Um, but to me, the other guys are all getting one-on-one -on -one matchups and the Chiefs aren't winning a lot of those other one-on-ones. Well, does that mean Pinnell and, and Nadi aren't doing their job either in the middle if, if – uh, Guys on the end are getting double teamed. Shouldn't some pressure come from up the middle? Yeah, for sure. But um, obviously, the, the strength of those guys are, are their run defense. And um, to me, it's you've got to have the the opposite defensive end is the guy that's getting one on one a lot. That that's got to sort of he's either got to win on the outside and force that middle pressure to be more effective, or he's got to win on the inside and chase the quarterback out of the pocket. And they're just not getting a lot of that other defensive end position right now. It's a it's a large concern as, as both Sams have touched on. Okay, in the first seven, excuse me, in the first eight games, the Chiefs defense limited opponents to twenty points or less in seven of those eight games. And I'm a firm believer in once is a fluke, twice is a habit. In the last two games, it's been a habit of bad defense. Sixty-two total points, seven hundred and ninety-nine total yards, nine big plays defined as twenty yards or more in those two close contests, and that's just not a recipe for winning. McDowell had nailed it. Okay, when you when you talk about Naughty and you talk about Mike Pinnell, they're space eaters. That's what they do. You know, they're the kind of defensive tackles, the interior defensive linemen that are not going to command the headlines because their job is to take up the space and funnel all the action to all the all the players around them. And that, that should allow the linebackers to flow to the ball. And we're just not seeing any of that right now. Go ahead, Bye. Oh, I'd only add, you know, just kind of a fusion of what all three of these guys have pointed out. I mean, I do think there is a little bit of a specific matchup might be the right, wrong way to put it, but matchup thing with, with the Raiders going on here. You know, they scored 54 points in five their first five quarters of the season against the Chiefs defense. I mean, that that's horrifying. That's unbelievable. But it feels a little bit like kind of rock, paper, scissors. Like it's very specific in some ways to, as Sam Mellinger pointed out, some of their strengths really just happen to to play right into some of the Chiefs. Um, I don't know if weaknesses is the right term, but but at least vulnerabilities. And some of these, the real question is how much of this is um, going to be more widespread and duplicatable, if that's a, a term for um, for everybody else. So I I think some of it's Raider specific, but I really do think also that um, that there are it exposes some broader concerns, obviously, for the Chiefs. Whatever it is, because as, as all of us know, the NFL is all about trends. I mean, and defensive, smart offensive coordinators, smart defensive coordinators, smart head coaches spot the trends. 
And this is a bad two-week trend that we're seeing out of the Chiefs defense. And they're going to have to fix it in a hurry because the I almost said Patriots. The, the Buccaneers, they can they can push the ball downfield with the weapons that they have. So if, if, if you're starting to see a, a bad trend from the Chiefs defense and there's a quarterback who can take advantage of it, you got to right the ship in a hurry here before you head down to Tampa on, for Sunday's game. It, it's a great test at the right time, too, because, like, Almost, I mean, Brady's better than Derek Carr, but like, he's he's just another guy that um, if you don't pressure him, he's gonna kill you. And if you pressure him, he's gonna throw some really bad. In it. He's gonna look forty three years old. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like if if you could pick the right opponent for this moment of the Chiefs season, I think the Bucks is it's just a really interesting test in a lot of ways. Herbie Herbie mentioned it, the, the just trending the defense trending the wrong way. But let, let me throw this stat at you. Um, the Chiefs right now are seventh in the NFL in points allowed defensively. That's really good. They're 15th in yards allowed. Those figures and their ranking in the NFL would be the best for the Chiefs in, the, in any of the last five years. Uh, the points allowed would, would match the, the lowest that they've, they've ranked, and the, and, the, uh, and the yards allowed would be the best figure that they're the best ranking they would have had. So they, had, they did play well early in the year. Uh, trending in the wrong direction, but I, I think, and, and just the opposite last year, right? They, you know, the, the, the Spagnola was a first year defensive coordinator here. People were getting used to him, getting used to the schemes, uh, had injuries to deal with in the first part of the season. But you know, it was about this time a year ago after the Tennessee loss that the defense played pretty well down the stretch and played well when it had to in the, in the postseason. You just don't like the, the direction it's heading to now, and I agree with you, Melly, that I, I think Sunday's game is a, a really good test for for this team, and and I think also the fact that they have uh, they've been hearing it all week uh, that this is uh, you know Chris Jones went on Twitter to yap with a you know with a media member about uh, you know about his play, and hey, and do, what do we know about the the little dust up on the sideline between Chris Jones and um, who, who was it, Legarius Sneed? Who was it? Who was he yapping with? Yeah, it looked like Lecherius Sneed. Um, I, I just keep – this is where my mind goes, but I just keep thinking this is where locker room access would be great. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's how we find this out. We're not going to find it out by, you know, who the Chiefs PR gives us on Zoom calls. True. We, we, listen, which is the, the correct way of uh, – we, we don't know. People who have asked us uh, about what, what's going on, we just don't know, um, at least until uh, there's been one – what one media call this week with the Chiefs because of uh, the the late night flight back from Vegas and the Thanksgiving week schedule. So maybe we'll learn more about this uh, uh, today. Um, we've we've talked about Tom Brady and uh, and, and and Mahomes. I I, I love the matchup. I you know if you want to call it a passing of the torch, changing of the guard, we certainly framed uh, Chiefs-Patriots meetings uh, over the last two years that way with these two quarterbacks. Um, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm amazed that Tom, that Tom Brady can be this effective at this age. He's, he's just a, he's a marvel uh, to be a 43-year-old quarterback who can lead a team to, uh, you know, to the, they're, they're in the playoffs if the season ended today. This is exactly what the, the Bucks believe they were getting when they, when they signed Tom Brady. So um, 
still, he, he has had his issues, right? Uh, most inaccurate passer over the last few weeks on on balls of 20 yards or more. He's uh, is it 19 straight incompletions on on passes of 20 yards or more, which is kind of amazing. Um, so it almost seems like there's a maybe a little bit of a conflict between what the Bucks want him to do and what his strengths are. Do you see it that way, Sam McDowell? Yeah, I mean, uh, Bruce Arians says they're completing those uh, those routes fine in practice. I think he's actually up to 22 straight incompletions on passes over 20 yards, 19 in the last four games. Three of them have been caught. They've just been caught by the other team. So, um, you know, it's it's interesting because if, if you look at Tom Brady – Mentally, obviously, he's just as sharp as ever, which is why, as Sam pointed out, this is a really interesting matchup because I thought one of the reasons that the Raiders were able to to beat the Chiefs' defense consistently is they got a lot of one-on-one matchups. That you know, there was part of that was play calling, part of that was also the quarterback making the right decisions. For whatever Tom Brady doesn't have at forty-three years old, he still has the decision making. I think so. That's that's why you know, like I said, as, as Sam pointed out earlier the Chiefs still have to figure out their own issues because just because this guy's 43 years old and maybe he's not throwing the deep ball as well, the Raiders didn't beat the Chiefs a whole lot deep on Sunday and they they were still pretty effective. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important please visit kansascity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. I wrote this uh, uh, just briefly uh, for, for something that's online now, but I think Patrick Mahomes loves these opportunities. I, I think he, he really likes to um, – he, he's shown nothing but respect and, and to the, 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 the established – NFL players that he's faced, and uh, I don't think he respects anybody more than Tom Brady and his accomplishments. And uh, I think Patrick Mahomes has enough kind of fan in him to to just uh, and, and then having the experience of being an NFL quarterback to understand and appreciate what Tom Brady has done and what he's about. And and I, I imagine Patrick Mahomes thinks about chasing Tom Brady's accomplishments um, and winning that many Super Bowls and. Uh, and, and, and being and one day maybe being the, the NFL's career leader in passing yards and touchdown passes, chasing the, you know, the Mannings and the Bradys and people like that. Do you guys get that sense too? I, I do. And, and Blair, I love the, some of the numbers you, you, you found and, and researched that, what, 3-0 and against Lamar Jackson, 5-2 and against, I think it was a combination of Roethlisberger. Rivers and uh, Deshaun Watson, I think. Deshaun Watson. And of course, now one and two, I guess against against Brady, right? Um, so I think I think uh, it, along the lines of some of the other stuff we've written about Patrick, how he uh, Sam McDowell wrote last week about how he he's not gonna not gonna lose twice to anybody in a season, and we've certainly all found different ways to look at the way he motivates himself and the things that get him excited. You know, it's a long season, and 
finding ways to get um, get yourself into each game is is even for the multi hyper talented guy that he is that that's a part of it. And I think this is um, right up his alley. I mean, I think this is exactly the kind of game he does live for, as you said. Yeah, there's uh, Mahomes isn't the only one that thinks like this, but there is a difference, I think, in, in athletes of uh, big moments, big games, um, and then specifically like big moments in those big games. You're like, oh, crap, like this is a lot of pressure. I don't know. Or this is awesome. Like this is an opportunity. And and I think we've seen Mahomes. This is what two and a half seasons of very much like this is an opportunity. And I think he looks at Brady, you know, six Super Bowls, obviously. But um, I, I also wonder, we haven't really talked to him about this and it would be kind of dumb to do it because he's only 25. But I, I think he looks at the way that Brady has like kept up his body and that he is performing. He's not as good at 43 mm-hmm. as he was at 38 or 33 or 28. Uh, but I, I think that Mahomes looks at that with a great deal of respect and and something to chase as well. You, you know, not just the six, but the longevity. I think that's part of it too. Hey, Sam McDowell, what's the line on this one? Three. It's three and a half. The Chiefs are favored by three and a yeah. half, uh, which is interesting because the, the the Bucks haven't been an underdog in six weeks now. So um, the Chiefs have, of course, only been an underdog once all season. That was in Baltimore. Okay. Uh, John McConnell weighs in from Evergreen, Colorado. Good morning, John. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Um, hey, um, we've had some people wonder about Juan Thornhill as well. Uh, which Sam? Let's go back to you, McDowell. Uh, which uh, what's going on with Juan Thornhill? And and um, you know, he just doesn't seem to be the same player he was when he was a, a, a you know an all rookie selection last year. Yeah, only played 11 snaps. I mean, that was kind of a surprise on Sunday. I, I, I understand he's not the same guy he was that pre-ACL, at least not yet. I mean, it's still only 11 months since the guy tore his ACL. He's certainly accelerated his timeline to come back. And I think a lot of people thought just because he was deemed fully healthy and ready to play that we were going to see the Juan Thornhill we saw for the back half of last season. That's not been the case. You know, Tyron Matthews, a guy we asked, about Juan Thornhill in, in training camp. What are you telling him? And he, he said he was telling him to be patient. You're not going to be the same guy you were the first day you stepped back onto the field. We asked him again this week. He, he reiterated that message and said it took him – It the Tyron Matthew, of course, he's gone through this twice. And he said it took him one, even two years after tearing his ACL before he felt like he was fully back. And we're still 11 months removed from Juan Thornhill tearing his ACL. He's certainly not as effective as, as what he was last year, but I don't think that means he's not going to get there. What does surprise me is I think the only way he does get there is more snaps, more reps. And so it, it surprised me that, you know, this, this Chiefs team's already going to the playoffs. And I think that they should be look, targeting the best possible team they can have once they get there. And to me, that still includes Juan Thornhill. I thought it was interesting that the way Andy Reid, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I thought after the game, Andy referred to him as a situational player or to that effect, which I thought was different than saying he's still coming along from the injury. I I just was sort of surprised at how Andy phrased it. He he added the injury part afterwards, and I think it was because maybe he didn't want to just have the quote out there that he was a situational guy right now because they they can say that, but he hasn't been the situational guy for the first eight weeks of the year. Yeah. That that's, that's I mean, exactly right. far different than numbers, right? I mean, what, what have the numbers normally been? I mean, pretty much starters numbers, Nine. right? 
Yeah, 90 plus percent in yeah. most of the games he's played. He, he played, it was something like at least 97% of snaps for the first like six weeks or something like that. So it's, it's, it makes sense to bring him back slowly from injury, um, but that's not what they've done. And after a bye week. So maybe, maybe he has a setback, but he hasn't been on the injury report, right? So I, I you know, right. just, I, I think they're, I think they're upset with, uh, upset's not the right word, but I think they're, you know, I think they're talking more about play, production, decisions, you know, that kind of thing on the field. For sure. But one one of the things that potentially played into it, and of course we'll know more Sunday based on how much he plays Sunday, but they played an extra linebacker a lot against the Raiders to try and stop the run. Of course, that didn't prove to be the right strategy. They did stop the run. They gave up a lot in the passing game. Um, and so they took away that deep line. You know, Juan Thornhill is, is a lot of times the last line of defense. They kind of took away that last line of defense for and in favor of the extra linebacker. Maybe they thought it was a matchup thing, but again, there was no game plans last year or even in the first two months of this year that did not include Juan Thornhill on the field. Right. Well, and that's how you get uh, Dan Sorensen and Tano Passimio on Darren Waller, right? I mean, it's not an advantageous situation for the Chiefs. Um, Twice, Tano, Tano's on the uh, – when you look at – I always go through and look at the uh, the receiver versus defender matchups every week, and it's surprising when Tano's credited with giving up two completions in any game. You know, if you look back, that, that play, the Witten play, uh, the touchdown, pretty damn good coverage by Tano. You know, like he was right there. He put his long arm, you know, through. I think he even got a fingertip on it. it was, yeah. It was good coverage by him. He is athletic. Um, but he, he, learned it from the, he learned it from the Bob Sutton days. He was asked to be in coverage quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, pro- probably raised his hand in practice. You know, Coach, I've been asked to do this before. I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, some folks have asked about DeAndre Baker uh, and when, when we might uh, see him. Sam, any idea? I think it's potentially more likely after what we saw on uh, Sunday than than I probably would have said before Sunday. You know, Tyron Matthews said he looks good in practice. Of course, the Chiefs aren't allowing us to talk to Baker because he's on the practice squad. So we can't actually get a feel for what he's been doing to try and stay. The guy hasn't played football in a year. So I think that's a major question to just throw him in in the stretch run when you've got guys that are in form and all of a sudden you've got a guy, a cornerback especially, that hasn't played in a year. And, and these are things that we might not know until Sunday, right? Until they're on the field and uh, practicing, and we don't know until ninety minutes before the game what the inactives are for, you know, for, for that game, or who's uh, even if he has been uh, activated. So uh, from from the practice squad. Um, all right, hey, what do you guys think about? Uh, I'm going to ask Herbie this. Herbie had to he had to leave uh, to get to practice, but um, you know. Last night, after the you know after that embarrassment of a game between uh, the Washington Football Club and the Cowboys, we were supposed to be able to switch over and watch the Steelers and Ravens. Uh, that game's been moved to Sunday, and with Lamar Jackson's out with COVID, the the backfield for the Ravens is out. They, I think they've got four players. That's as of what ten after ten Central Time this morning, and. Um, if, if they can't play that game, I'm, I'm not sure what the options are. There's, there's no one, all the buys have been just about everybody, every team's buy. I know the Buccaneers have 
a bye after the Chiefs, but just about every other team's you know, open week is done. Steelers and Ravens don't have a place on their schedule for this game. What what might happen if the if the um, is there, I can't remember in my lifetime, Vahe and I go back, you know, to the um, you know, to the Bart Starr days of the NFL. I don't remember a forfeit in in the NFL. What's going to happen if if Steelers and Ravens can't play? And this has implications for the Chiefs too, right? Because a yeah. uh, you know a Lamar Jackson led Ravens team looking to avenge an earlier loss, you know. Could have, um, you know, I, I think could have could have resulted in a loss to, for Pittsburgh. Well, at first, um, it was good for the Chiefs. Um, you know, if that's all you care about, it was good for the Chiefs that that game was was postponed and not played on Thursday with with all the cases that the Ravens had. Uh, but a lot of people were like sort of snapping back at the Steelers. You know, some of their players got on Twitter and other places and you know sort of complained about the game being moved. Uh, when when they've taken care of their business and and you know like critical of, of those Steelers players, I totally get that. I, I I think that's how they should have felt. Like they've taken care of their business and and they got kind of screwed um, earlier in week was it three or four when uh, they were supposed to play the Titans and you know blew you know burned a bye and and now have to play. I totally get you know where they're coming from and you know the, in the last what was it like a week ago or two weeks ago. Uh, you know, everybody was talking about the uh, the expanded postseason. Right. Um, you know, in in case of, and that's why they did it. It was in case of, you know, a thing exactly like this. So I, I'd imagine that that's where it's going. I don't understand why they can't just pu- push the postseason back. Like, th- there's no reason that it has to be on that specific schedule. I'm sure TV has something to do with this, but people are going to watch the Super Bowl no matter where it is. Um, you know, the Buck Stadium is going to be open for the Super Bowl, uh, no matter when they want to play it. So that's what I would do. But it seems like they've got this this other plan in place for for situations like this. The league has mentioned the possibility of a week 18 and they would eliminate the buy between the AFC and NFC championship games and the Super Bowl if they had to do that. Um, I just I just always come back to this. The NFL is the one sport that had the advantage of time. They weren't in season when this pandemic hit, like the rest of them had to adjust on the fly. The NFL should have foreseen this coming. I, I thought they should have put in 18 weeks at the start of the season, added an extra buy for most teams late in the year to account for this. You could have adjusted the way you did some things early in the year. You know, you had, you had to have some teams play on Tuesday. Obviously, we've seen three Chiefs games adjusted. Um, the, the tricky part is the Ravens are supposed to play on uh, Thursday, right? I mean, they're supposed to play the Cowboys, I think, on Thursday night next week. So if you've got to move this game to like a Tuesday or a Wednesday, I mean, you're kind of stuck. You'd have to move that game as well. It's just, I, I, I just, the NFL could have added some layers of protection for some schedule arrangements and they just chose not to do it. I don't know whether they thought this wouldn't happen when the world told us this was going to happen. Um, but, but, but here we are. Something's you know, it, it's the winter. It's November 27th right now. We still have five weeks left in the season. There's, there's no telling what could potentially have to be adjusted over the final five weeks. You know, there's a uh, excuse me. There's a really interesting accompanying question here too, and it's it's sort of beneath the the bigger the bigger picture, which is okay. How do you do the greater good for the health? Right. I mean, you got to be thinking about that first at all times. But the interesting subset of it is there's every week. It seems a team has X amount of guys that are out with COVID, right? And thus they're at a competitive disadvantage because they've missed some guys from COVID. But if you get so many guys that you can't play, then then you that competitive disadvantage is pushed off or rescheduled. And it, it's just if you look at the the season as a battle of attrition, 
there's something just kind of fundamentally off with with this whole way we look at it too because it like people actually seem to feel like well it's Lamar Jackson so the Ravens can't play now I realize there's other numbers there and that's part of it but um I think people actually think that there's chances games get moved just because of personnel being so uh high profile so marquee and meanwhile if you get you know, guys on the line that aren't aren't as visible that that doesn't matter as much. I'm not articulating this at all the way I want to, but I do think there's a, a competitive thing that's kind of overlooked in the shadows of this. There's some consistency questions, too. I mean, like, do you remember, was it three weeks ago, four weeks ago, um, the 49ers had like seven healthy players, you know, and, and the NFL just made them play. I understand yeah. like some of those were, you know, actual like football injuries um as as well as COVID but it's just there there just seems to be a little bit and there's no perfect answers like you know even good answers left nine months ago um but there's just there doesn't seem to be any consistency with how this thing is being handled and one of the reasons you've got more guys on the COVID list is based on this contact tracing and to me that goes back to what Sam said initially which is the, the Steelers are upset because they felt like they took care of of what they're supposed to take care of. Contact tracing is included in that. So you're not supposed to have outbreaks if you follow the protocols. You know, we should mention this. The Chiefs are now changing the time of their availability for us when we are going to be talking to these players starting this week. We we used to talk to the players about 11.45 every day. Now we're going to be talking to them after practice. But one of the reasons they've made that adjustment is because they want the players in their facilities with uh, downtime, as little downtime as possible. So it used to be if they came in before practice, that time we'd talk to players, the rest of the guys who we're not talking to, so what is that, the 51, 52 guys on any given day, have downtime. They want to get rid of that. So now we're talking to the guys after practice so that they can come in a little bit later. That's that's another thing that one team in the NFL happens to be the team we cover is doing to try and mitigate this problem. If the Ravens have one guy have it, and then eight or nine other guys have it, to me that's ineffective with their contact tracing. They're not following the rules properly. And that's why I think the Steelers are pretty miffed because they should. the whole schedule shouldn't change for a team that didn't follow the protocols properly. Yeah, I, that, that's a, a, a better said version of what I was trying to say earlier. Sorry. And ten times better said than what I was trying to say. <laughs> well, well, I, I, I do want to – sorry, Blair, I do want to add one caveat. There's certainly ways you can get this disease and you're being perfectly careful. So I'm not blaming the entire thing on the Ravens. But the contact tracing is something every, all of us can follow. And certainly those guys in the NFL team that know they're around other guys that are doing their own thing. And, and it's worth pointing out that the strength and conditioning coach screwed up. Um, and, and put the entire Absolutely. team in a really bad situation. And, and that's, uh, look, everybody has a part. Everybody has an important part, but the strength and conditioning coach <laughs> needs to be one of those guys who is, who is following it perfectly. And, and for, for that guy to, you know, go that far um, outside the lines is, is um, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty terrible. And Brian LaBerge mentions the way COVID's dropping teams, getting the, the seed, you know, one or two seed, maybe a moot point by, with the buy going away, that's exactly right. I mean, that's yeah. um, the, the 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 playoff bracket will expand to eight teams, and the number one seed will one will play eight instead of one getting a buy with the with the seven team uh, conference bracket. So, uh, pros are doing a, at least doing a better job in colleges. Missouri plays Vanderbilt today, or uh, I'm sorry, on Saturday, 
That's the fourth different time on the on the schedule from the preseason that Missouri has been scheduled to play Vanderbilt, and it's uh, that's how the game has moved around that much on the on the Missouri and Vandy schedules. So there's uh, been a lot of people have just been dying to see that game too. I feel bad for them. <laughs> <laughs> Missouri's got four ga- four weeks to get in four games. We'll see if they can. Uh, We'll see if they can do it. Supposed to play Arkansas. The, the week started with Missouri playing Arkansas. Now Vandy's coming to uh, Faro Field. So, all right, guys, uh, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, it was great to see you all and uh, Sam and Vahe, Sam Ellinger and Vahe from alternate locations today. Great job, you guys. Sam McDowell, always great to see you. Uh, Herbie Teopia is gone. Let me, before we do, listen, it's Thanksgiving weekend. It's the time for uh, high school football state championships. I love this weekend. I remember my days going to high school state championship games, and I just want to give a shout out to Ray Peck playing in the um, in in the Missouri Class Six title game this Saturday uh, on the Kansas side. We've got uh, Blue Valley North in six A, Mill Valley in five A, St. James in four A, and to all the high schools that are uh, playing for state championships. Uh, also, semifinals going on in Missouri this weekend. Um, uh, good luck to all those teams. And I want to call your attention to a couple of uh, stories that the Star wrote this week. Vahe had a terrific column on Jack Bush, the old, the longtime Central High uh, basketball coach who passed away last weekend. Wonderful story. And Sam Mellinger, great, great job on Eric, the 10 year anniversary of Blue Valley High winning its uh, last state championship in the, uh, under, under Eric Driscoll who passed away uh, a little bit later. So if you get a chance, go read the, uh, those, those columns and everything else uh, that, uh, that we write. We, we are loaded with Chiefs coverage this week. Um, hey, a couple guys want to know what we, what we predicted for final score, so let's go out on that note. Uh, let's, let's give a score. I, I, I do one for the paper every week. I got the Chiefs 30-27, to 27, uh, but I, I, I struggled with it. I, I really wanted to take the Bucks, but in the end I just – you know, I just said Patrick Mahomes and and went with Chiefs. How about you, Vahe? Let's, let's how about a, a guess of a score? I think I'm going to do my weekly prediction, uh, same weekly prediction as like 34 to 20, 21 Chiefs. I think uh, we'll get the pick six on Brady that changes that dynamic a little. Probably by by Tyron Matthew, I would think. Right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've already written. <laughs> Sam Michelle. Um, I, I, I kind of think similarly to, uh, to Vahe this week. Uh, I think 34-24, Chiefs. Chiefs are going to blow out to the Raiders, right, because they had all of the emotional advantage, uh, the revenge, the, the, the victory lap and all that, and they were the Chiefs. Um, don't, don't call out my picks, Blair. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Melly. Uh, 34-30. Something like that. I, I want to say that the defense will bounce back, but at this point, I want to see it before I predict it. So, uh, but I just their offense is so freaking good. Um, you know what I mean? So, if you've got thirty-four points coming, uh, you know you're you're still in pretty good shape. I was going to say the Chiefs' defense gave up thirty. It's given up thirty-one each of the last two weeks, and the Chiefs have won both of those games. So, right. uh, they just they just Mahomes you to death uh, with this this team. So, <laughs> All right, guys, and for Beth Welsh, our producer, um, you guys have a great rest of your Thanksgiving holiday weekend, and we will talk to you after Sunday's game in Tampa Bay. Thanks, guys. That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. 
Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith, and a big shout out to Beth Welsh, who produced the Sports Beat Live this morning and today's Sports Beat KC podcast. Thanks, Beth. Also, tip of the cap to the Chiefs A team of Herbie Teope, Sam McDowell, Sam Mellinger, and Vahe Gregorian. You can find their stories in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we got another deal for you, especially for those that want to deep dive into the star's terrific Chiefs coverage. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. How do you get it? You go to KansasCity.com slash Sports Pass 2020. That's KansasCity.com slash Sports Pass 2020. You want more than just sports coverage? I know I do. Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And I know that's a lot of dots and dashes. Sounds like Morse code. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, just send me an email at bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I will get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Monday breaking down the Chiefs game at Tampa Bay.